0: then there was also this mode where you could just put it in a an always-on kind of state where as you would walk by it would say okay there's a starbucks on your left or terminal two gate c is on your right or that that sort of thing
1: like a screen reader for the real world hello and welcome to terrifying robot dog episode 21 for friday august 28th 2015 I'm Jonathan Stark, and I'm Kelly Shaver, and we're here to talk about how technology is changing the way we interact with the world. This week, we talk about how a smartphone is kind of like a mouse pointer for the physical world. Please stay tuned, Terrifying Robot Dog is next. Hello?
0: Hello. You said episode 21, and, and my brain went, wow, we've been doing this three weeks already. <laughs> it's like, wait a minute, we're not a daily podcast. <laughs>
1: <laughs> three weeks already. <laughs> Well, time's fun when you're having flies. <laughs> yeah. Terrifying robot yeah, flies.
0: Terrifying robot flies. That would be terrifying, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would. Little winged nanobots that just... Ugh. That
1: swarm. Don't go there.
0: <laughs>
1: With little piranha teeth. Yeah. Ouch. Well, we got that to look forward to. Yeah. But first, some quick shout outs to Amy Green, Wyatt Green, Mary Murphy, and Brock Witten for the iTunes, Twitter, and email love and suggestions and ratings. Uh, So thanks folks. If you have uh, five minutes on your hands, jump into iTunes and give us uh, a rating if you like the show or shoot us an email or send us funny links on Twitter. We always like that.
0: (laughs) Send us cat videos.
1: Yes. Robot cat videos. Yeah. So this week we want to talk about how smartphones, you could kind of imagine them working the way a mouse pointer works in a computer interface the concept is uh, I, I suppose everybody listening what regardless of how technical you are has used a computer with a mouse attached to it and when you move the mouse around your little arrow on the screen moves around and if you are uh, depending on what it's moving over it can it throws these little events hover events so as your mouse moves around the screen the thing that's you know, air quotes underneath it, the thing that it's over, knows that the mouse is over it and can send events to the environment, usually like a web browser, to say that, uh, oh, there's a mouse hovering over me and I should maybe show my drop down navigation or I should, um, the, if I'm hovering over a URL, it maybe, ch- or a link, it could change the background color and, and show me the link down in the status area at the bottom of the browser or whatever. So if you imagine, if you imagine instead of your, a web page being in, in this sort of two dimensional space in the browser, if you imagine like a web page wrapped around the surface of the earth and as you're walking around, you've got this device that is hovering over whatever spot you're on on the map. And, and that hover can theoretically you could set that up, either the map or the phone or the combination of the two, you could set up that um, interaction, if you will, to send events to something, either to the phone or to the internet or to the or some device that's in your immediate proximity you know people know about gps and people know about beacons and stuff like that but this mm-hmm. was a whole different this this suddenly um changed my whole notion of what geofencing is and how it should work
0: yeah this once once you explained it to me it's it's a pretty incredible thing to think about i mean just the the implications of it you could you could have hover over a product in the store and get more information about it or even a link to buy it at some, at some other retailer.
1: Right. Yeah. If you're, if you're running some kind of app on your phone from the a retailer that wasn't the one you were in.
0: Right. Like we we recently got a, a new vehicle and was peeling all of the manufacturer stickers and that sort of thing off of it. And there was a QR code on it. Hmm. And I scanned the QR code and it basically brought up the help documentation for the vehicle. Mm-hmm. And after you said this, like, well, what if I could just like point to different elements on the dashboard and it would bring up the display on on my phone that says, okay, here's what it is and here's how you use it.
1: Yeah, that would be so cool. Yeah. So this, so I think the cool thing for me being a web developer was thinking about, thinking about the, the phone in your pocket as kind of like a mouse pointer hovering over stuff that I was walking by or driving by or maybe even flying over. Put into perspective a lot of the this sort of cobbled together bunch of location aware applications that, you know, have kind of been you've know, been cropping up more and more. So like going back to Foursquare check-ins or um, or more recently, iBeacon deployments in retail stores that triangulate based on your Bluetooth signal where you exactly where you are within inches in the store and can therefore send you, you know, like uh, push notifications that are yeah. relevant to the items you're staring at. Yeah, but so what's so what's super hilarious about this to me is the um, when you're when you're mousing around a computer interface,
0: mm-hmm.
1: the fact that you're hovering over something is a very soft signal. In my opinion, you, you might just be moving the mouse from one thing that you clicked on to another thing that you're about to click on. And it's yeah. just totally accidental that you hovered over something in the middle.
0: Yeah, yeah, that, that happens all the time.
1: Yes. And when you go to a web page that kind of overdoes the hover event handling, it gets really annoying because as you move your mouse around, all this stuff is flashing and grabbing your attention. What you, and you really don't care about it.
0: Right. Well, the way you handle that on a web page is you put a delay in there.
1: Right. So if you, so if you uh, linger, if the mouse lingers over something. So, um, so that to me, the really interesting thing to me about that was just mapping the, sort of softness of that signal to all of the location-based phone stuff that we've seen to date where i think people who have tried to set these sorts of systems up have been a little bit more aggressive in their interpretation of the intent mm-hmm. so just because i you know you know if i walk from my house to whatever starbucks i pass a bunch of stuff doesn't mean i'm interested in that stuff at all right the same way that just because I'm moving my mouse from the bottom left corner to the top right corner of my browser window, it doesn't mean I'm interested in anything in the middle whatsoever, even though I passed over that spot.
0: Yeah. And particularly on a walk to Starbucks, 90% of the time, you're not going to care about 90% of the other stuff.
1: Right. And so there used to be this application called Latitude. I think Google killed it, but it was a it was a Google uh, application that was kind of like Foursquare. You installed it on your phone and it automatically checked you into places, which- Oh, that would be annoying. It was great when it worked because it sort of it got rid of that check-in fatigue. That that I you know I like checking in because I have a terrible memory, and I can't remember when I went someplace. But I might there might be something like oh I remember when I was sitting outside of that cafe. I had that important conversation with Chris, and I can't find the important conversation with Chris. But if I knew what date it was, I'd be able to find right. it. Right. Right. So if I could go back through my history and be like, what day was I sitting outside of that cafe? And then I could limit my search for the you know, recording of the phone call to that date. It would be useful to me. I, find I, I, I think
0: that's the first example of a check-in service being useful that I've ever heard of.
1: Yeah, it's really easy to remember places. So um, for me, it was, it was actually quite useful. The, the flip side of it was that it was so annoying when it would automatically check me into places that I w- didn't actually go to.
0: Right, because you just you just walk past it, and then you just have that much more junk that you have to filter out, Mm -hmm. and like a month later, it adds confusion because well, did I really go there or did I just walk by it?
1: Yeah, or or just like you know, yeah, Erica, what were you doing in the jewelry store?
0: Right, you know, like.
1: Did you know? Or did maybe, I blow a? Did I blow a surprise, or did I just walk past it?
0: Right, or maybe you maybe you need to go somewhere, and you you go buy it, and think, oh, I need to stop by there next time, and then you forget, and um, and like a week later, you're like, oh, I did go. Okay, that's taken care of.
1: Yeah. Uh, so for people who are imagining creating interfaces like this, or imagining experiencing interfaces like this, uh, because they are coming to you know, Target is rolling out beacons all over the place. Um, the 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 intent is is a hover. it's not a click. when I click mm-hmm. on something in a web view or in a web browser, I definitely want to learn more basically I've I yeah. expressed interest in this thing. I took the initiative to click on it so I'm wondering what's the click so if if walking around with a smartphone in your pocket is a hover, what's the click dropping it on the ground I guess
0: <laughs> would you would you have to point it at something and tap the screen?
1: Maybe you know what? I feel like it should be something that's, I feel like it should be something that's not, um, that's not, doesn't require pulling your phone out of your pocket.
0: Yeah. And well, I mean, I guess it depends on what you're doing. If you're doing something where you're potentially bringing up additional information that you're going to want to look at, uh, because sometimes it is easier to just read something than to have it, than, than to hear it. Mm -hmm. Um, then I would want to – I would be fine with just just tapping on it to to get that information. Mm. But at the same time, I would love to just be able to, for instance, wave my phone around and it tell me the things that are around me. Mm -hmm. Um, Well,
1: that's – remember when we had uh, Scott Jensen on the show? Yeah. He spearheaded a project called Physical Web. And it's an open source thing that Google started, but doesn't run. But Google announced that they, they built a project on top of physical web that is essentially like their iBeacons thing. But what mm-hmm. it does is in, in a space, uh, it's similar to what you just described. When you go into a space, there are these, uh, beacons sending out, you, you know, basically broadcasting a unique URL into the air around you. So you could walk into a space. And one way to imagine a click happening was is exactly what you just said. I'd pull out my phone. I would see all these beacons around me broadcasting, kind of like search results into uh, a list. You'd say, "Oh, well, these are the these are the the URLs that are around me," and I can see a little picture of the object. It's like, "Oh, uh, I'm interested in this one." So it kind of maps that uh, physical proximity to an action that indicates that, yes, I do want to find out more about this particular thing.
0: Yeah. But see, I would, I would take it even one step further. I would want to be like, I would want to actually point the, maybe point the camera on my phone at a thing and and not have, not have maybe not have any other, giant lists of information to pick from and until I do that and when I point my camera on my phone at this one thing it Mm -hmm. comes up and says here's the information on your the thing you just pointed your phone at.
1: Sure yeah you could have um, if there was a if there was a I don't think there's a icon for NFC or maybe then the tap to pay terminals there's an icon maybe that's the NFC icon you could imagine putting NFC icons on stuff.
0: Yeah. It doesn't NFC only have a range of a few inches though.
1: Well, that's the idea. Hence the near. I mean, you could do RFID, but you, you know, in in you yeah. know, Target, you would, if everything had an RFID on it, you'd have like 10,000, 10, things to choose right. from. <laughs> so you, you wouldn't be able to, um, I mean, the QR code, the QR codes work. QR code totally works. You could play yeah, the I camera. Guess,
0: I guess what I'm talking about would be, would be more like image recogni- recognition. Like there would be software on the phone that would recognize what I'm pointing at.
1: You'll be happy to hear that the Amazon app does that. Oh, does it? Mm-hmm. You can point it at, yep, it does image recognition. It doesn't need a QR code or a barcode. You just point it at anything. And if there's anything recognizable about it, 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 finds, uh, it finds it and tells you how much you should pay for it. <laughs> Which gave me a good take chuckle. It, take
0: it with you when you go shopping. And...
1: Yeah, just point it at anything.
0: Did you try pointing it at the kids?
1: Uh, the kids, uh, yes, but they were too expensive. I couldn't afford them.
0: Yeah, that's that's how it is. <laughs>
1: um, Okay, so so I'm sure the marketers, anybody who's in marketing that's listening to this is like, no, I don't want them. I want (laughs) I want the phone. If if it walks into the car dealership, I want to pummel them with ads for car loans. And
0: yeah, I want this personal sales pitch that I've tailored. Just yeah.
1: Yeah, It'll, it'll be interesting to see what happens in the future with that sort of. Um, the balance between providing relevant, useful information and just really overwhelming people with spam.
0: Right. Because that was an interesting example you just mentioned about the, the car dealership and being bombarded with ads for car loans. If I, if I drive by the car dealership where we bought our car now. I wouldn't want to be bombarded with ads for get a car loan, buy a vehicle. It's like, no, I I just did that like a week ago. Mm-hmm. Give me ads that are related to other services you offer that may be relevant to me, as the owner of this vehicle, whose whose warranty and everything you now service.
1: Yep, yeah, it's all about relevance, being actually being smart, you know. Okay, so so that is that's a very user centric or person centric view of. Mm-hmm the the hover state, if you will, the hover state of the phone, but so there are these other like wild applications that have been that I've been sort of hearing about lately that are more anonymous about uh, use, using the hover anonymously, and so one example I'll use is is an airport example. I think it was LaGuardia where they set this up in one of the terminals where they're they have um, sensors that. Track Bluetooth signals. Uh-huh. So, lots of phones. You could have this turned off, but lots of phones are broadcasting their Bluetooth signal. The radio is sending out a signal that has a unique identifier in it, and it's unique to the hardware. It's not identifiable back to you personally. Um, and what they're using it for is as you, uh, as you are like waiting in line at security or wherever, they are keeping track of how long. Each of these IDs is basically on their radar so they can tell you and there's a big screen that tells you how long the wait time is in real time to get through security.
0: Interesting. And I imagine that gives them some some very useful metrics when they go to look at things like how can we shorten people's wait time security or how can we mm-hmm. how can we direct the, and change the flow of, of traffic through this area?
1: Sure. You could, you could imagine it setting up a trigger where it automatically assigns two more, you know, opens up a lane and assigns two more TSA people to show up just automatically. Right. Um, You could imagine it from almost like a web analytics standpoint, but for the real world, like behavioral analytics, where you say, oh, it always backs up at these times and they could have all the other information about how many people they had on duty or the flight, um, the, 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 uh, uh, what am I trying to say? The frequent, the Lots of flights is what I'm trying to say. If there are lots of flights or not lots of flights, or if it's, you know, who knows, but they could correlate the backup because they would know exactly when it was. They could correlate it to like when flights left, how many people were on the flight so they could see in advance like, oh, well, whenever United has a bunch of trips to whatever India the, the airport gets super backed up for whatever reason. And so in the future, we will know in advance when the bookings are. So we could potentially schedule people more proactively for the security lines or whatever. Yeah. So to the, in the web world, it's kind of like provisioning, you know, having a load balancer and provisioning servers automatically.
0: It's determining whether or not you need to scale.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, And so you can imagine a lot of other a lot of other places where this particular application would be super useful, like um, wait times at a doctor's office uh, where, you know, you say got uh, the place where Erica, we, we went with Erica was like uh, uh, when she was pregnant, both times we went to this, I don't know what they're called. It's like a collective of doctors mm-hmm. and she would see a different doctor every time. And the, the wait times were not too bad, but they were longer than I preferred. Right. And they could, you know, the people who manage that place could see in real time that there was, you know, that they were doing great. And the people were like, you know, the wait time was the entire wait time. Plus, the doctor's appointment was only half an hour. So they're doing really well. Or they could say, geez, you know, it's really backing up. We've got like 90 minute wait times. You know, this this Mac address came into the area at nine o'clock and it didn't leave until noon. Right. We don't know who it was, but we know that's not good. So uh there's a million the million bank branches, you know, are people in there waiting forever. Mm-hmm. Um amusement parks. Amusement parks is really interesting because Oh, that is
0: really interesting.
1: Yeah, because if you could have a real backup at Space Mountain and have no lines over at Pirates of the Caribbean, although it's probably the reverse most times. And you could, uh if you had, you know, if Disney, I think Disney actually does have an app on the phone where they can send push notifications to the people that are waiting in line at Space Mountain to say, hey, if you're hungry, here's $10 off. You can go over to the the uh restaurant that's right behind you and get something to eat and then come back. Maybe the line will be less later.
0: Yeah. I was just about to ask you, or, or just about to say that, That information, particularly about in an amusement park, about how long the line is and how long the wait is, that would be useful information for the guests in the park to know. Totally. (laughs) And I'm just picturing this thing where, where you have like, say, 200 people lined up at one ride, and they all get a notification (laughs) that says, "Oh, this ride's empty," and then 200 people shift. (laughs) You just have these crowds of like herds of people <laughs> just trying to get like, like no a waiting, flock of no birds in line and just trading lines. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, when we were at the, at the Harry Potter thing, I mean the, the lines for the good stuff, you know, were insane, you know? And it's like, mm-hmm. if probably not everybody listening has seen Google analytics or like a heat map of a webpage and, and the collected information around, where all of your visitors where their mouse lingers i guess
0: yeah and where they click the most
1: yeah so so in the, in the spoiler park- it's your
0: logo <laughs>
1: <laughs> wow I did not know that makes it's sense. your logo
0: in the top left top corner. left
1: corner so um you can imagine a map of a park that had a similar heat map that you could look at times of day. So you could say nine o'clock in the morning, people are clustered over here at around noon, Mm -hmm. they cluster over there and you could get, or you can imagine like for somebody who's running a park, that would be super useful in terms of even just like in, in in terms of deploying people who like clean up trash, you know, there's, there's a ton of people over here. Uh, You're going to want to head over there in about 15 minutes when they're, they've all moved on to the next thing or whatever. Yeah. Museums, you know, or, you know, airport is the is the uh, obvious one but there's tons of them so speaking of airports yes you had an interesting story that was uh, very similar sort of internal
0: yeah it is it is very similar and it was about using iBeacon set up around airports to help uh visually impaired people navigate said airports
1: like what does that look like so to speak <laughs> I, like what is what's involved there
0: What's involved is there's an app on your phone that has, um, that stores a bunch of, of information about the airport, and then there's all of these different eye beacons uh, I think they said there were over 500 throughout this terminal. Mm-hmm. And as you would walk by, um, the the app had two different modes. It had a, a guided mode, and then just kind of an, an, an always on, ambient sort of mode. Where in guided mode, you could tell it um, it has voice commands for everything. You could tell it say okay, I want to go to my gate and it would would guide you through the airport sort of a sort of a a walking turn by turn navigation sort of thing to get to your gate. Hmm. And but then there was also this mode where you could just put it in a an, an always on kind of state where it would, as you would walk by it would say okay, there's a Starbucks on your left or terminal 2 gate C is on your right or oh that, God, that like, sort of thing.
1: Like a screen reader for the real world, yeah, like oh, a screen
0: reader for the real world.
1: That's crazy. I would,
0: yeah, I would use that much because even like when I, whenever every time I fly, I I always do end up getting like a person to assist me to the gate because my vision is I can I can see decently well in the immediate vicinity of my head, but <laughs> but I can't see I can't see signs off in the distance to read them, mm-hmm. and so navigating around an airport where you have to read all these signs to find your your gates and, and, and that sort of thing just I can't do it
1: I can't imagine
0: it, I could eventually find it but I would just have to walk up to every sign and look up and see if it, it, it would take forever I would, I would never make a flight so I always get someone to assist me to and from the gate and, yeah. and then that ends up being okay I'm at the gate and I'm here for two hours
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I could be relaxing somewhere else <laughs>
1: Oh, wow. I cannot imagine trying to get through an airport without being able to see. I mean, come on. You'd have to get. Yeah. You you just have to. When I think of how much time I spend looking at signs in an airport, it's like the whole time.
0: That's like, that's all you do in an airport. That's all you do.
1: Right. Wow. Yeah. So that's a, I mean, that's amazing. And that's kind of like, so like I've got, uh, so sort of similar experience. this is, this stuff's basically real now in the outdoors. So at least in, in, I don't know if it's big cities only, but I've been wearing um, an Android Samsung gear live, which is an Android wear watch instead mm-hmm. of my pebble recently, because I've been testing um, the watch integration for a client for an application that they have on the, on Android. And I, I am really liking it, but the the it's too bad the battery only lasts a day or if you use it for navigation less than a day. So it's it's still it's still not my favorite, but I've I've been forced to wear it. And so one of the things that is a surprisingly compelling feature is um, is Google Maps for walking around out but out only outside.
0: Yeah. See I would I would love something like that. Um, that would mean I could I could do something like fly to Boston to visit the aforementioned Wyatt and Amy mm-hmm. <laughs> and and not have to have someone pick me up at the airport I could use the map to navigate to a like a, a t mm-hmm. station and take mm-hmm. it to where I needed to go
1: yeah I that might the, that does have transit maps I wonder I haven't tried that one but so you basically just say you know okay google navigate home or okay yeah. google navigate to starbucks and it'll it it uh, tries to guess if you're driving or walking or on your bike based on, I assume on how fast you're moving or have been moving. And it, uh, and the watch kind of like buzzes every time, you know, I'm sure everybody's had the experience of using GPS in the car, whether it's Google mm-hmm. maps or Apple maps or whatever, where it's, you know, like it trips up uh, in a quarter mile, take a right, you know, on, onto main street or whatever. Yeah. Well, the, if you do it on with the watch, um, it's, Especially walking or even in the car, really any, anytime you don't want to be staring down at your phone, which is pretty much walking, riding your bike or driving, <laughs> Right. the watch is like right there and it, it goes bzzz, and, uh, and you, your phone's in your pocket and your, but your phone mm-hmm. will like yell to you. It'll, it'll tell you what it says, but you can also just look at your wrist and it'll show you the next you turn. Picture.
0: Yeah. Yeah. See, I just,
1: <laughs> if that worked indoors, it'd be insane.
0: I want want to watch for each wrist and I want it to buzz the left one if I go left and the right one if I go right. (laughs) So I cannot have to look at anything or hear anything. I'll just follow the buzz.
1: That's really cool. (laughs) Follow the buzz. It's like the (laughs) booze printer. Takes you to the beer garden. Right. Just following my buzz.
0: (laughs) Not what I meant, but totally cool.
1: (laughs) So, yeah. So I I think in terms of you know, in terms of the theme of the show, you know, how's technology going to affect the way we interact with the world? This is kind of a big it's one. It's to
0: make it easier to get around.
1: Yeah. Make it, it sounds kind of silly. I don't know. It sounds like a, like, Ooh, just find your way around. But, but I remember before, before maps was like a normal thing, it was stressful to drive somewhere where you weren't from and you just yeah. like tense. Like, did I miss the turn? When's the next gas station? I don't know yeah. if I'm going to make yeah, it. Yeah, it
0: was, it was. And, and if you got lost, you, if you have to be there at a certain time, like, okay, well I better leave. It's like, I've never been there before. It's a big city. I better leave an hour early.
1: Mm-hmm. That yeah. sort of thing. Right. Uh, and so unless, <laughs> unless you enjoy the feeling of being lost in the associated stress, yeah. this is, this is really cool uh, in terms of, you know, the, the in indoor wayfinding for any kind of big environment, like a uh, Smithsonian museum, airport, uh, a Disney park, uh, uh, a resort. That's like so awesome. Just talk to say yeah. to your watch like I navigate to the pool, navigate to my room, and it shows you the shortest way or, or maybe the, the longer way that has less traffic. <laughs> now, these elevators are faster over here.
0: Yeah, see that especially at at establishments like that, this to me seems like a no-brainer mm-hmm. that this would be an awesome thing to have.
1: Agreed. But then there's the other use case of the of the businesses being able to basically have real-time analytics on wait times and uh, backups, you know, clusters of people mm-hmm. and being able to automatically scale their resources to accommodate. And so the, the you know, perfect world, the end goal is that, um, is that we end up with, you know, just smoother in-person real world experiences mm-hmm. in environments like these, which I think is, great if we don't get buried with spam push notifications then it's all upside
0: yeah scale scale and to manage them and and also sell like for instance um like oh you've been to this restaurant three times in the past two months here's here's a coupon for or or you've been here just just tracking user behavior right like you you, you, you've lingered
1: in this you know if I feel like that's a, that's definitely a stronger signal. like walking past a restaurant is obviously not the same, th- you know, it's like, it's like if you're sitting in a restaurant or you're, you know, for two hours, if you if your ID is in the restaurant for a couple hours, once or twice a week, then yeah, that's a different signal, different level of intent. Yeah. But don't send me a push notification when I'm just walking by the AT&T store, please. Right. <laughs> just put a sign in the window.
0: Yeah, yeah. Sign- window signs are like the original push notifications. <laughs> uh,
1: nice. I like it. That's probably a good place to leave it. That's our show for this week. I'm Jonathan Stark. I'm Kelly Shaper. And we hope you join us again next week for Terrifying Robot Dog. Bye. Bye. Would you like to support Terrifying Robot Dog? Just think of two friends who would dig the show and send them to terrifyingrobotdog.com for links to iTunes, Facebook, and RSS. If you don't have two friends, you can still help us out by leaving a nice review on iTunes. Thanks.